time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Hey, I want to jump right into the scripture tonight. Matthew chapter 7. And we'll start at verse 13. Everybody shout out the name of the series that we're in. Guardrails. Guardrails. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 13. I'll be reading out in the New Living, New Living Translation tonight. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its, gates is, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Verse 14 says, but the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Hey, tonight in this week one of this guardrail series, and we'll be in this series for for probably about five weeks or so, I want to, uh, I just simply entitled this message, Life with Limits. Everybody say, Life with Limits. Everybody bow your heads. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, even able to divide between soul and spirit. God, we ask that you would come tonight and that you would breathe on the word of God. Let it encourage us, convict us where we're wrong, inspire us, God. Jesus, show us who we are in you through the word of God tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, just shout amen. 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 All right, so you see the name of the series, very intentional, guardrails. Everybody say guardrails again. And we've got some guardrails that we kind of constructed and built and found, all sorts of stuff, some guardrails. The definition of a guardrail is a strong fence at the side of the road or in the middle of an expressway intended to reduce the risk of serious accidents. Now, I was kind of studying this and finding out, like, where did guardrails come from? Well, you know, this is what I found. The, the Civilian Conservation Corps in 1935 are actually the ones that came up with this idea of guardrails. And the idea was that they would prevent accidents from happening, prevent people from dying senselessly. And so currently today, guardrails are found in primarily three different places. They're found on bridges for obvious reasons, right? Anybody ever ever gone over a bridge before, ever driven? How many drivers do we have in the house tonight? Come on, you got your license? Come on, any new drivers? Come on, Tatiana. Yeah, I know it. We know you just got that license. How about any other new drivers? Come on, like you just got your license in the last sailor. For real? Girl, I'm, huh? What, your permit. Okay, permit people make some noise. Come on. We, yeah. We all gonna, we gonna let y'all drive first. <laughs> y'all exit first after service, especially with the snow coming. What? Okay. All right. So, so going over a bridge, every single person in this room has e- either driven over a bridge or been riding in a car where you've gone over a bridge and there's little room for mistakes, right? Or how about just kind of driving over mountain passes or driving up in the mountains? I'm like, thank you, Jesus. That's why I ain't driven to the top of Pikes Peak. I ain't trying to die, okay? I didn't, ain't about that life. I'm from Louisiana. We don't drive in, on mountain cliffs, you know, soaring across. That's crazy to me. But that's honestly why, because there's no guardrails if you drive to the top, right? There are? No, I've heard, no. So, okay, the consensus, yes or no? Yes, there are guardrails all the way to the top if you drive up Pikes Peak. 
How many say yes? Can we do a fact check? Sean? I mean, what? David Jacobson, somebody who's credible. There's none. Nathan, how do you know? Three months ago, and there were no guardrails. And none. None. You're positive. There's one. <laughs> okay, so my point exactly. If you don't know, then I don't know, and I ain't trying to find out halfway up the top. Okay, so, so driving over a bridge. So there's a little room for mistakes, like in one area, if you're driving over a bridge. A little room for mistakes. But another area many times where there's guardrails is if there's a median. So when people are driving in the opposite direction, you'll find guardrails many times in the middle of the road because, and this will preach, the closer you are to people going in the opposite direction than you, the more protection you need. See, the closer you are to people going in an opposite direction than you, the more protection you'll need. We'll come back to that. A third place where we find guardrails a lot of times is around curves, unexpected roadside hazards where there's guardrails to keep us from crashing. See, guardrails, what's interesting about guardrails is that they are not positioned in dangerous areas. They're actually in a safe zone. It's what's behind the guardrail that can kill you, destroy your life, right? And so, so, so guardrails carry the message, hey, stay in front of me because what's behind me can potentially destroy your life. So, like, you know, they need to take down that stupid guardrail off this bridge, you know. I just want to drive much closer to the edge. Said no one ever, Right? It's, but, but this idea, this idea of guardrails over the next several weeks, you guys, we're going to talk about guardrails in a sense, but as it relates not to driving, but our individual lives, our personal lives, our spiritual lives. Because I think if we're all really honest, we can all admit that we've hit some areas of purity, pitfalls. We've ran over some relational Roadblocks. We, we've kind of crossed over the line of, of lying. We've crashed into the ditch of depression. We went clear off the bridge into the river of regret. We smashed right into the sign of, of sin. You get the idea? See, I'm just, I'm just saying that for some of us, many of us, most of these areas could have been avoided. Now, the past is the past. It is what it is. I want to talk about our lives from this day forward. You can't change anything that's already happened. You can't modify what's happened in the past. We're with Samuel's call. All my Samuel's call students, make some noise. We were at Samuel's call last night, and we were talking about this idea of you have a limited time here on earth. Earth And while God is so gracious to redeem, redeem our lives and, 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 and enrich our lives, no matter what we've done, I wholeheartedly believe that your past does not have to determine your future. But I also believe that the word of God says that we are to redeem the time, that we are supposed to make the most of our time, that you don't get those years back. You don't get your junior high years back. You don't get to redo. There's no makeover, press the button, go rewind, fat, go, go backwards. There's no back to the future whenever it comes to your spiritual life. You have this moment, you have today, and you do not get it back. You have one opportunity to make a difference for the cause of Christ in your life in this moment today, and you don't get it back. 
And so Matthew 7, whenever Jesus says, on the road, there is, a, there is a road, there is a, there is a narrow way, there's a, like a narrow road, just like an incredible intern spent hours upon hours, more hours than probably you could ever think, making this cheesy little road up here to give you a visual that, that you know what? There's a road that every single one of us are walking on. There's a road in your spiritual journey, and on either side of that road is a ditch. There is destruction There are things that will kill you, okay? Let's be very clear about it. The enemy did not come just to make you look silly and goofy in front of your friends. He is very clear in his mission and his vision, and it is to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you, to strip you of everything that's good in your life. And you would do well to realize that you have an adversary who wants to literally drive you right off the edge, the road of your spiritual life. Can I get an amen? And so, so with this idea, with this idea, again, guardrails are not in dangerous areas. It's, it's, what's, it's what's beyond them. I'm just saying, let's look forward to the future. And we can't redo anything in the past. But let's live, live lives that say, okay, I'm going to live within the, the boundaries, the, the guardrails that, that God has set out for me. Not because he's lame sauce and he doesn't want me to have an exciting and an adventurous life. Oh, on the contrary. So let's embrace this, this idea. So let's redefine, I told you what guardrails is in the natural, but let me give you a new definition of what I'm talking about in this series, guardrails. Guardrails are personal standards and spiritual boundaries. So every time I say guardrails, hear me saying in this series, I'm talking about personal standards and spiritual boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. Oh, just the thought of it makes some of you cringe inside because rebellion is so bound up in your heart because as it is with all of us until we come to Jesus and we go through the process of saying, Lord, yes to your will and yes to your way and no to my way of doing things because living within boundaries is not natural. It does not come by default. By default, we say, God, let me push the boundaries out of the way because I think I can think I can figure this out much better than you or anybody who, dare I say, may be older than me, i.e. my parents or mentors or pastors or leaders. Surely I can figure this thing out a little bit better than they can. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of children. And so as we grow in God, we have to come to a place over and over and over where we say, Lord, you're in control and I am not. This is lordship. Everybody wants Jesus as their savior. Few want him as their Lord. Because whenever we say Lord, it means, oh, oh, like I'm not in control. Like what would I sign up for? Like, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? So, you know, it's, but this idea of lordship says that he's ruling, he's reigning. He calls the shots in your life. No longer you. Amen? And so whenever we talk about this idea of boundaries, we're saying, Lord, we just, we want you to take control. So personal standards and spiritual boundaries. So I want us to go to Ephesians About three verses in Ephesians, and I just love seeing so many heads in this place. No condemnation for the rest of you. But I love for like, whenever your head goes down because you're jotting down things, that's just... That just blesses me as a youth pastor, okay? Just, so thank you that you know who you are. Okay, great. All right, so Ephesians chapter 5, let me give you the background here. Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, and 
And I've been there just about a few years ago, actually with a class at ORU, incredible professors who took us on this trip and went through Turkey and Greece. And so we went to modern day Ephesus or Ephesus and, and saw that you can, if you visit there today, this ancient city, you can see all the traces of immorality still standing today because they're preserving it. And, it. and it grows like every several months because they're unearthing more and more and more of these ancient cities that are mentioned in Revelations. And so Ephesus was a deeply immoral culture, okay? The cultural norm was sexual immorality. The cultural norm was promiscuity. The cultural norm was to be mean and hateful and unforgiving and make fun of people and fight them in the middle of the streets. That was the normal culture in Ephesus. Living life with absolutely no boundaries, no restraints, no spiritual guardrails was very much so the norm. And not just in the world, but also in the church. And so Paul has this daunting task of correcting some things, saying, hey, you're naming the name of Jesus. It's a big deal that you live like him. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. And so he kind of comes up with a way to communicate to them, hey, we do things differently in the kingdom of God. And so that's kind of the context here as we go to Ephesians chapter 5. It's on the screens for you. If you, if you don't have your Bibles with you, I'm reading out the New Living Translation. So Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 15, it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting here is in verse 15, be careful how you live. That word live is actually translated. A better translation of that word literally from the Greek is how you walk. It's like peripateo. It's like this idea of literally like walking around. And so what Paul was doing was comparing their spiritual journey, which is why we do that a lot. Whenever we say, how is your walk with Jesus going? Many times that was how it was compared in the scriptures. So, so he says, so, hey, be careful, be careful how you are walking or where you are. You're walking. Verse 17 says, don't, don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do. NIV translation says, understand what the Lord's will is. Now, probably the number one question among teenagers and young adults I've worked in the last eight, eight and a half years or so of youth and young adult ministry is, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Well, you know, <laughs> for Paul, uh, it, what's ironic about this is that he says, um, the tense in the Greek here is he tells them, understand. And so it would carry with the, the connotation of understanding that, that um, this is something that is within your, your realm of understanding. This is something that you can, by your own volition, by your own will, this is something that you can do. And so it wasn't like, Hey, I want you to kind of figure it out. Hopefully God reveals to you his will. <laughs> no, he, he looks and he says, understand. I am telling you, understand what God's will is. And in doing so, he is removing from them every excuse 
every lame excuse that they had to walk around like they're in darkness or confusion. You guys get that tonight? So under, understand. In other words, you can do this. In other words, and it's like he just slapped him upside the head. I want you to face up to. I want you to accept. I want you to embrace what you know in your heart. God's will and plan is for your life. For your life is regarding how you spend your time, your friendships, your ethics, your convictions. I want you to stop deceiving yourself and say, well, I don't know if God's really telling me, like, you know, like not to walk in like purity. I don't, I don't know. Like what, where's the line or gosh, I don't, I don't, I mean, is it really a big deal that I spend time with Jesus? I mean, Pastor Bray, that's so extreme. I mean, do I really have to pray? Like, do I, no, you know what? to do is what Paul is telling the church in Ephesians and what God is saying to us even here tonight. So stop deceiving yourself. Stop playing games. Stop smoothing it over and pretending. I want you to face up to what you know God's will is for your life. That's an intense command to us because because we know what we're doing. And it's one thing to do things ignorantly before we come to Christ. It's a whole nother thing to see major guardrails and just say, boy, I wonder if my car will survive if I just kind of bang right into that, you know, guardrail. I mean, I wonder how this whole insurance thing works. Like if I crash into it hard or like, is it 60 miles an hour? Is it like 75? Like what? Because, you know, I don't really like my car anyway. I would love for it to be totaled and get a new one. So let me just kind of test this thing out. (laughs) Nobody does that. In the natural, but in the spiritual, in our walk, don't we do it all the time? Isn't it sad? Isn't it tragic? It's kind of sickening. Because we don't really value what we have been given. Paul writes, and he says, we we should not neglect such great of salvation that we have been given. There was real blood that was shed. There was real pain that was endured. There was real royalty that was set aside for humanity and mixing humanity 100% with 100% deity. But coming down, it was all real. There was a real person who went to a real cross, who endured real pain, who shed real blood in order that we may have relationship, fellowship with him. And how dare we neglect such great salvation by treating it like it's no big deal. Like we can do what we want when we want, however we want, and expect there to be no consequences. Amen, Pastor Brandon. Great job tonight. Thank you so much. It's not popular. It's okay. I'm all right. (laughs) It's not popular. It's not culturally acceptable because our culture says, do what you want. Our culture says, whenever you are ready You can go however far down the relational journey with someone in terms of intimacy that you are. Because everybody agrees that that, that behind the guardrails, there's pain and destruction. See, even the secular world will tell you in the area of uh, uh, of purity and, 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 and having sex outside of marriage, even the world will tell you, yeah, that's not such a great idea. But the best they can do instead of a guardrail is kind of like painting painting like a little rumble strip and say, hey, we'll do like, you know, whenever you feel like, you know, whatever you 
Whatever you feel like your belief system needs to be. See, the world likes to just kind of put a little line there whenever the Lord says, no, I want firm guardrails because lines won't protect you. You drive over the lines all the time. Sometimes not even by, by intentionality, but just kind of by accident. You, 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 and you don't know sometimes if you cross the line. You smash into a guardrail, you're going to know. You're going to feel. You know what I'm saying? And so, so, so God says you need, you need some, some guardrails in your life. And again, not because I'm like, ho-hum, I hate you, be lame, uh, I don't want you to have fun. My God, we, Desperation Man just wrote a song called Fun. We're having fun. We're, we're having fun, you know? And this, uh oh, you know? And so it really is like serving the Lord is thriving and powerful. But the enemy would lie to us because he wants to believe that life without guardrails is really where the action is. And what I'm trying to say, that's really where the pain is. That's really where the hurt is. And so, again, I think all of us, if we are honest, we have some regrets in our lives. And I'm not here to remind you all about your past and all your mistakes and all of that. But I am, as a pastor, trying to say, you can do this thing a little bit differently. You have years left in high school. Seniors, you have some months left. Junior highs, you have five, six years, seven years of schooling. And you can, you can shift this thing. You can get this thing right. It's by the grace of God, if you live within the boundaries, the guardrails that God is wanting to give to you. So Paul, to the church at Ephesians, was saying, stop flirting with disaster in your life. And why would he say that? Because you are so precious to him. Because you are so valuable to him. See, we oftentimes act how we act because we believe what we believe and so we don't see the worth and value in our lives so we'll treat it we'll treat our lives like we're like we're driving like some some cheap like run down like you know pinto or something from the 80s or 90s whenever the lord says i've designed a Maserati, baby you gotta come on somebody it's a masterpiece you are a master and i care about you and i love you i don't want bumps and dings and broken things all in your life i've come to make you whole Spirit, soul, and body have come to make you whole. So guardrail. So, so Ephesians going on here, verse 18 says, Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Now in the NIV it says, Don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. And, and this idea of it's less about the drinking part in this context because let's be um, okay let me just <laughs> okay if you're 21 if you're not 21 there's no discussion about drinking it's under you it's against the law it's a sin you know did y'all know <laughs> is this news to <laughs> obey the laws of the land <laughs> okay all right so so the con so so lest you say well, Pastor Brandon, I don't drink. Well, good. Let me tell. Okay, so the bigger, the larger context here is: don't be filled with wine. It was drinking for them, getting drunk, which leads to debauchery. Everybody say debauchery. debauchery. It's like the Old Testament, like a, a New Testament, like a Bible word. But debauchery. Let's look at what the definition is. I think it's on the screen for us. Maybe not. Maybe I didn't highlight it. It's my fault. Debauchery is, debauchery is the, the definition is extreme indulgence that results in a complete loss of control. 
Well, <laughs> it's an extreme indulgence that results in a complete loss of control. See, it may not be wine for you. It may be your obsession with the desire for people to like you, where you have lost control. It may be going to certain websites on the internet where you have lost complete control because you should have never been there anyways, or the acceptable ones. You fill in the blank. I'm not just talking about dirty pornography. I'm talking about anything where you lose control. It can be food for you. It can be an unwholesome, an unwholesome, unhealthy relationship. It can be this person that you're so drawn to where you have lost control. It can be video games. It can be whatever it is that has caused you to lose control. If it causes you to lose control, God is not for it. God did not send it. God does not want it in your life. How's that? So, Social networking, gossip, video game, whatever. You fill in the blank. And let's be real clear. You know. Come on. Just look at me and say, I know. Come on, do it with a little bit of Just help me out. Just, I know. Come on, a little bit more attitude. I got to help me. Just, it's a black thing. All right? Just, I know. There you go. Come on. Oh, he threw up the fist. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, so this idea where we know, why do we know? Oh, because the Holy Spirit tells us that is unless you have insisted, you have wholeheartedly consisted for so long to go against the guardrails that you can't even feel them anymore. Or better said, you can't even hear him anymore because you've chosen to ignore him for so long. It's never good, you guys. We're going to be talking about this idea of even like the power of the conscience. None of all of us are without excuse. There are real guardrails that God has placed in our lives. It is hard. I wholeheartedly believe this. It's hard to go to hell. It's really, really hard to miss the will of God for your life. Let me just demystify this for you. Because I think in churches, what's the will of God for me? I don't know. No, no, no. It is so hard. It is more difficult to walk out of the will of God than it is to stay in God's will for your life once you come to him. Did you know that? Okay. Okay. That's half of you. So whenever Saul had his transformation to Paul, right? He's on this road on his way to kill Christians, <laughs> on the road to Damascus, literally ready to slaughter them. And the voice of God comes to him and says, Paul, Saul, 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 why are, you, why are you coming against me? And then he says, is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Everybody say goads. What's a goat? I'm so glad you asked. Goad, not goat. G-O-A-D, not G-O-A-T. It's, this, it's, the, it's, the, it's the thing that they would use to, to, to pull like sheep back, like to, whenever you're trying to herd them. So it was as if God was saying to him, Saul, it, is, it, is it hard for you to keep pushing up against the guardrail? How long have you, every rumble, every... Anybody ever been on the street and you hit what's called the rumble strips? Where it's like, doo, 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 doo. is it? You've, you've heard my voice. You've heard me saying stop. You've heard me saying, hey, you don't need to go there. Hey, you heard, you keep, what? Hey, what's going on? It's hard to miss God. 
He makes it so difficult. And we think it's so hard. No, it is so difficult to walk away from him because with an everlasting love, he has loved us. With this pursuing thing on the inside of him, he says, I love you. And even though you run from me, I still pursue you and I chase after you. Come on, somebody. Hey, I, I am. I Why? Because I love you. For real, I love you. I really am for you. I make it so hard. I make it so difficult. How long are you going to keep pushing against the guardrails in your life? Your life. God is against anything that will lead us to loss of control in our lives. So here's the remedy. Here's the solution. He says, don't be drunk, don't be filled with wine in excess, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, there's no limitation, guardrails needed in your pursuit of God. See, see, you, your desire to, to be adventurous, your desire to give yourself whole heart, your desire to submit is fully quenched and satisfied whenever you come to Jesus Every single one of us are worshiping something or someone. And so whenever you give yourself fully to something or someone, there's a desire. It's only whenever you give yourself fully to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the move, to the voice, to the will of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's where you'll find what you've been looking for. See, the Holy Spirit longs to be the lead influencer in your life. Don't run away from him. It's so foolish to think that you can do what you want, when you want, how you want, how long you want, and then face no consequences. And face no, no, again, it, the guardrail kind of hurts, but, but going off the cliff, I think, I think that's a little bit more in, like, intense. See, what happens whenever you stay within the realms of the guardrails it's fixable. Your car may get smashed up a bit, but more than likely you'll survive. You go off a cliff. You hit another person head on. You go off into the trees and a curve and you're going too fast. We don't know the outcome. And let's be real clear. There's a real point of no return for some of us. Can we just be real? Many of you know, it was kind of shared in the testimony last, last week with those of you who go to Palmer Ridge and the gentleman who, who died through the drunk driving and a couple guys, a couple teenagers and, and other cars through the gears and, and other, where people's lives are just, just ended. They didn't plan for that. Nobody plans to go over a guardrail. Nobody plans to crash and die. Spiritually, it's the same way. Nobody plans this thing, but it happens when over time, those rumble strips occur where the voice of the Lord is speaking to you and you say, ah, oh, it's no big deal. See, it's foolish to think that the Lord's just going to kind of deliver you. He'll, well, I'll just kind of flirt with disaster and immorality and I'll just surround myself with like everybody, like nobody's a Christ follower. Like I can't find any Christian friends. So I'll just kind of hang, or I'll just fill my ears. I will listen to whatever I want. I don't care how explicit the lyrics are. Come on, somebody. I don't care. Well, I just like the beat. Oh, okay. Well, do you just like the spirits that are going into your heart that will eventually influence the decisions that you're making? Do you like that? And so we, so 
so nobody plans, but we've got to stay with it. Well, God says, hey, I just want the best life possible for you because I love you. I want to know. You see what I'm saying? I just want you to do great things for my kingdom. I don't want your life to be ended early. I don't want there to be pain and just disaster upon disaster in your life. I mean, yes, we know. I'm not not talking about life's going to be perfect whenever you follow Jesus. But my God, it certainly, again, feels better to bump up against a guardrail than go off a cliff. Do you understand the difference? So worship team makes their way back up to the stage tonight. It's this idea, you guys. It's this idea. Whenever someone questions you, sometimes that happens like, Hey, why, why aren't you, why aren't you, um, you know, going to this particular place or, or, Hey, why did you like break up with that guy or girl? I mean, they're like so nice and they're so cool. I mean, I know every other word out of their mouth is a cuss word and you know, but don't you love them? I mean, you gotta reach them, right? And, or, you know, or why, why did you kind of delete those songs from your iPod? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, you're going to hear it at the gym or somewhere else. I mean, like what is What's the big, what's the big deal? And, and to them, your response as a Christ follower is, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying I shouldn't. Because what? Because I have guardrails in my life. Again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you tell them, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying I won't. Come on, can anybody feel the strength of that statement? I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying I won't. I'm just not going there. Yeah. No. I just, I won't. And you can just call me religious if you want to. Call me legalistic. Call me weird. Whatever. But whenever I stand before Jesus... There's a smile on his face that will make your frown and your little look of judgment or condemnation very minimal in that moment. See, no one ever regrets establishing a guardrail. It's those who don't have guardrails that are full of regrets in their life. See, guardrails will minimize the amount of regrets that you have in your life. You know, nobody says, I played it too safe. I I lived too holy. Crap, I just missed out on so much. I was so holy, you know, in my teenage years. I spent so much time in the presence of God, super late. Nobody says that. Nobody says that. 10, 11, 12 years out out of high school, you guys, none of my friends say that. Not one, no one. And and I know a lot of people, none of them say that. The, the, The opposite is true. Gosh, gosh, I wish I would have set some boundaries. I never planned to be here. Others may, you cannot. It's probably reading, and I just kind of want to highlight some of the things. You can kind of close up your notes there and just kind of listen in. I have about five or six minutes left and go into a time of just responding to what the Lord is saying and doing in your heart tonight. You guys can adjust the lights there. It's... Buell Casey said that if God has called you to be really like Christ in all of your heart and all of your spirit, he will draw into, he will draw you into a life of humility and, and put you on such demands of obedience that he will not allow you to follow sometimes what other Christians are doing. 
in many ways, he will seem to let other good people do things which he won't let you do, or at least allow you to do without getting caught. See, others can brag on themselves and their work and on their success and their writings, but the Holy Spirit will not allow you to do any such thing. And if you begin, he'll lead you into some deep troubles that'll cause you to despise that type of behavior. See, the Lord will let others be honored and put forward and keep you hidden away in obscurity because he wants to produce some choice, fragrant fruit for his glory, which can be produced only in the shade. See, others will be allowed to succeed and, and, and do lots of great things sometimes, but it's likely God will keep you humble because he wants you to have something far better than even what the world calls success. God will let others be great, but he'll keep you small sometimes. He'll let others do a great work for him and get credit for it, but he'll make you work and toil and without knowing how much you're doing. And, and then to make your work still more precious, he'll let others get the credit for the work that you have done. This will make your reward 10 times greater whenever he comes. See, the Holy Spirit will put strict watch over you with a jealous love and will rebuke you for little words and little feelings or for wasting your time, which other Christians never seem distressed over. Why? Because others may, you cannot. There's a greater call. Settle it forever that you are to deal directly with the Holy Spirit and that he's to have the privilege of convicting you about the words that you're saying convicting you about the things that you're doing with your hands, but convicting you about, about the things that you are allowing to come before your eyes in ways that others are not dealt with. Now, when you're so possessed with the living God that you are, in your secret heart, pleased and delighted over this particular personal, private, jealous guardianship and management of the Holy Spirit over your life, you will have found heaven in your life. Isn't that good? And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.